It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to BGN Radio. Thrown out to the far side of the bubble screen and running in for the touchdown is Jeremy Macklin. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly. Mm. And part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. We have gone old school for episode number 83. Uh, we have uh, editor-in-chief of uh, BleedingGreenNation.com and associate editor and myself, the original crew started this thing uh, all here, Brandon Lee Gouton, Mike K, myself, John Barchard, all hanging out. Uh, we also have a couple of guests joining us once again as Mike K is hard at work uh, trying to pull all these uh, prospective uh, NFL players for us. We'll be talking to William & Mary's wide receiver, Trey McBride had uh, made some noise in the East-West Shrine game, and uh, we'll be asking him about that in his draft process. Also, once again, pulling from the University of Minnesota, Mr. David Cobb, running back. We'll be talking him as well. But BLG, let's get into this thing first. Uh, Brandon Graham wants $20 million guaranteed and is looking for you know some contract numbers around $30 million for four years. Uh, what's your initial take with, uh, with that stuff? Do you, th- you feel that's uh, probably priced out uh, for what the Eagles want or, you know, what's, what's your kind of feel on that price? Uh, I think a lot of people reacted to the, to that article I posted yesterday. Like, you know, wow, that's way too much. Uh, and then another, some other people were like, you got to give it to them. So I think the reaction's pretty split. I kind of feel on the fence too. I think, you know, you look at that and obviously that's a lot. He only had five and a half sacks and limited playing time last year. But at the same time, you know, maybe, maybe this is a guy who, you know, you trust, to give that money to and you, you project him into a, a full-time role and, you know, you think he can be a better player. It's just really tough because if, you know, if they don't 
re-sign him, then you know it's, there's an obvious need at that position. Trent Cole is due nearly $12 million. They're going to have to make a decision on the him. Uh, if you're losing Brandon Graham, not only are you losing one of your best pass rushers, but I, I also thought he was pretty strong in run defense last year, which is something the Eagles value highly on defense. And then just from a special team standpoint, you know, that's something that's really not sexy by any means, but, you know, he's pretty good on special teams too. You know, you look at some of his blocks on the return units. Uh, so if you don't keep him, you're losing a valuable player. But at the same time, it's it's really just hard to give a guy like that that kind of money. And I don't know if, uh, you know, Worlitz is going to have the same kind of, of pull there. And I don't know if he's actually any better Brandon Graham or going to be cheaper or anything else out there. Mike, if, you know, when you're looking at this thing, um, obviously you don't want to have another hole at the – pass rushing position uh you know marcus smith saying that he's gonna try his hardest and uh, you know kind of shed off this kind of rookie year but uh wh- what would you look for if you can't sign brandon graham i mean i you brought up worlds and i think that that's an easy match to make just because it's it's been reported that that was a likely match last year um he is better in coverage than brandon graham and i think if you're starting brandon graham you're not putting him on special teams anyway so while Brandon is right, he has been very good on special teams. I don't think you're losing much there. I think with if you can't sign one of these big-name free agents or at least mid, mid-level guys, I mean, this class for pass rushers is actually pretty stacked. There's uh, Derek Morgan from Tennessee, uh, Jabal Sheard from, from Cleveland. Uh, obviously, you've got Greg Hardy from Carolina, Justin Houston from Kansas City. And then there could be a lot of pass rushers that get cut, you know, Tom Bahali being one of them in Kansas City. So, um, to make Houston work. So, I mean, I think I think your options are out there. I think they'll sign at least one, at least mid-level pass rusher. And I, I view Worlds as a little bit higher than mid-level, but um, I think that's what you would look for. And then once you sign that guy, you'd cut Cole and, and Marcus Smith would take the Brandon Graham role. And uh, we don't want to waste uh, any time as he's on the line right now. Uh, you know, uh, uh, definitely a lot of guys favorite another Dan Klossner favorite I might add as uh, we welcome in on the Duncan Philly hotline right now from William and Mary the wide receiver that's making noise Mr. Trey McBride Trey how are you this afternoon I'm good just uh out here in Florida training up for the combine ah nice excellent uh where in uh, Florida are you training right now uh, I'm at Exos uh, in Pensacola excellent beautiful well um uh, first and foremost I know there's I think there's a lot of interesting guys that come from you know, smaller schools and myself have uh, partied uh, once or twice down in uh, William and Mary. Uh, what made you select uh, and and head down there uh, to uh, start your football career? Uh, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't really highly uh, recruited out of high school, and so uh, you know, it was just the best fit out of everything that I had going on for me at that point in time. And uh, I mean, I built a bond with the guys that hosted me on my recruiting visit, and I was really close uh, really close with my. Uh, recruiting coordinator, the, the guy who recruited me out of high school. So uh, it seemed like a good fit. So that's where I, I decided to go play college ball at. So, Trey, you know, you were at William & Mary for four years. You obviously have a ton of experience. You finished second all-time in receptions for the Tribe. What was it like to kind of build your career from the from the ground up, you know, at a smaller school and being a big fish in a small pond? I mean, it was it was still, I mean, I guess you could say I was a big fish in a small pond. I never really thought of it like that. I mean, I, I, there's still a lot of good, good players that I played against in a pretty competitive conference uh, that I came from. And I learned a lot when I got there. I mean, I played against 
several, I mean, several NFL players. I played with several NFL players, and we had a cornerback in the fourth round who helped me get a lot better. We had a safety go this past year who I have to go up against against practice every day and just help me define my game. Um, I mean, we, we, we send guys to the NFL uh, just not in just not in bulk, not in as much bulk as the FBS schools do. But, I mean, I had some great coaches on my side, and, I just got a chance to uh, play under Coach Rogers and really fine tune my skills. So I mean, every time we had we got a chance to go up against that big school, uh, you know, my preparation and everything that I learned always shined through on that big stage at the same time. So it was a good experience. Well, and you and you talked about having uh, played with former players or any of them helping you out as you go through this draft process because they've been through it before. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've hit up my uh, good friend of mine, B.W. Uh, Webb. He plays for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, uh, you know, I hit him up anytime I get, you know, nervous or if I have any questions about the process because uh, he went to the combine also. So I asked him about stuff like that. And I'm asking him about the 40 and, you know, just different things that I'm, I'm having to adjust to uh, coming to train here. And so anytime that I just get uncomfortable, I ask him, you know, what his thoughts on it are. And he, he lets me know, and then everything's good. And, you know, Trey, we heard, uh, obviously, there was a lot of praise after you uh, got done playing the East-West Shrine game a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things that we had talked to a few scouts, we had talked to uh, a lot of the media people that were down there, and they had said that, you know, the coaches weren't really interested in kind of showcasing, uh, you know, what a what a certain guy could do or couldn't do. Um, you know, Mike Singletary, I guess, was was uh, was part of that criticism as well. Did you find it a little harder to kind of showcase what you could do uh, down there because of any of that? Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, I mean, I guess I can agree that, like, no, they weren't they weren't trying to like put specific players in specific positions to show uh, like a scout that aspect of the game. But I didn't expect that going into it. I mean, there was a system that they had already in place for the players that they had on the team. And so we were just going to mold to that system and then play the game. Uh, and, and I don't think that that hurt anything. I mean, we did do one-on-ones for a long time, and we didn't have any restrictions on any routes uh, while doing the one-on-ones. So, I mean, any type of anything that in our game that somebody wanted to see, we had the opportunity to show it in one-on-ones at, at least. So. I mean, it was it was it was fine as far as I was concerned. And as far as you know, uh, you're preparing down for the combine in there. What's your number one goal, I guess, uh, in the combine? Is there something you're specifically working on? Is it you know getting that forty time as fast as possible? What are you concentrated on the oh, most? Yeah. The most? Yeah, I mean, I, I've done. Uh, I think all my testing at the combine is uh, you know is going to be impressive. But I mean, obviously, for a speed guy. Uh, or for a skill position guy, the 40 is going to be the most important thing. So I'm worried about it all. I'm, I'm training for it all the same. But, yeah, there's a little more emphasis on the 40 because, uh, you know, I got the small, I'm from a small school, so people want to see the speed. So, you know, once I can show the scouts that the speed is there, then I think we'll be in business. You grew up in Georgia. Um, did you grow up uh, a big Michael Vick fan, a big Atlanta Falcons fan, or were you just – you know, who did you grow up uh, watching? Yeah, I mean, Michael Vick was my favorite player in the NFL. So whatever team he played for, that's the team that I liked. And then I, I liked him a, as well. But, I mean, uh, my favorite team was not the Falcons. My favorite team was the Giants. So, oh, boo! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Michael Vick was my favorite player. So, yeah, I grew up watching him a lot. 
So wait, but when uh, it, did it create a conflict of interest when Michael Vick went to the the Eagles? Who did you root for in those type of games? No, I didn't create a, a conflict. I mean, I I, I like to see uh, Vick like achieve. I mean, I, at the end of the day, he was my favorite player. Uh, it was just always incredible to watch him play. So uh, you know, it was it was just kind of I don't know when they went when they went to get together. It was just kind of a I don't know the love hate. Like, oh, man, he just did this, but, hey, Giants are here. I don't know. It was tough, but, I mean, I made I made it work. Yeah, it's kind of how we feel about, at least how I feel about uh, Odell Beckham Jr. right now. So that's going to be another 10 years. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, is there anything, uh, I guess, that you think you can do better than anybody else in this wide receiver class? I mean, I haven't studied anybody else's film. I'm not sure what these other guys bring to the table. The only thing that I know is that, they played at a bigger school, and so they had that going for them. As far as my game is concerned, I think I have all the tools that any team would want slash need. Um, you know, I can I run good routes. That's what I'm known. I'm known for running good routes. I catch the ball. I can high point the ball. I can make the contested catch. I score touchdowns. Like I'm fast. There's nothing. There's nothing that those guys have that I don't. And I don't know about their game. And um, I'm not worried about their game. I'm just worried on what I can control and and show for this next for the for the rest of this off season uh or this postseason training. Well and Trey we'll get you out on this one, but you brought up your route running and that's always been something that's stood out to John and I. I mean, you know, you're a taller wide receiver, but yet you still have really fluid hips and you're able to, you know, get free. Uh you pretty much did that the entire shrine game. I just wish people would throw to you a little bit more. But um what what would you say has gone into you know cre- making yourself such a great route runner? Um, repetition, honestly. I mean, there isn't. There's not like uh, it's, it's a technique thing, and uh, I got a lot of reps, a lot of reps, a lot of reps. I mean, that's what I am. I'm a rep guy, and uh, uh, after a lot of practice, I just was able to figure out you know how to control my body in the routes. I figured out the footing. And I figured out, you know, what worked for me. And uh, so far, it's been a pretty good process as far as uh, getting my routes as good as I can. Now, there's still a lot of improvement to be made, and, and I'm sure that will come with whatever uh, pro team I wind up on. But um, as far as, like, training and how I got to run the route that I do now, just repetition and, and some good coaching, that's about it. Trey McBride, uh, wide receiver from William & Mary, uh, thank you so much for joining us right here on BGN Radio. Continued success, my friend, and uh, we are looking forward to uh, Combine, and um, if you end up in the Eagles green, I think we'll be okay with that, too. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Sorry. Good thanks to uh, Trey McBride. And, and just before that, we uh, you know, were talking about free agency and Brandon Graham and all this other stuff. Another guy, BLG, that um, I don't know. I, there has been some conversations going back and forth between on, you know, on Bleeding Green and uh, on Twitter and things like that. I'm, the more and more I'm thinking about it, Jeremy Macklin getting tagged seems more unlikely each day to me that, you know, $12 million is an awful lot for you know, for one guy, especially when you can put uh, good use to that elsewhere. Now, on top of that, a lot of people guessing in the 8 to $10 million range, I don't know if I'm welcoming J- Jeremy Macklin back at that price, uh, depending on the years and stuff like that. Um, again, your take on uh, Jeremy Macklin uh, getting in here and getting signed. He'll be back. <laughs> and <laughs> end of story. <laughs> it almost is that simple for me. I think uh, a lot of the kind of idea that he isn't going to be back has been kind of silly. I think people have been like, 
like Kaplan, Adam Kaplan went on the radio a couple of weeks ago and he said, you know, it's not a guarantee that he comes back. And, you know, Kaplan is a plugged in guy, so I'm not trying to question him here. But there seems to be this kind of notion of like, why isn't it done yet? Well, I think that's that's irrelevant. Like last year, Macklin didn't resign to like something like the 28th or the 27th of February is at the end of the month. There's still plenty of time. There's there's almost a whole month until free agency begins on March 10th. So, like, there's really no, like, rush for it to be done right now. I think it's going to get done. I know some people are like, oh, well, that's a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. But I just, what do you have a wide receiver if you don't keep him? You know, you have Riley Cooper, who is not good and is not going to be around uh, probably after this year. Uh, Josh Huff, I, I loved Josh's Huff, Josh Huff's potential, but, you know, he's a rookie. Made a lot of mistakes, kind of really hard to count on that. Uh, Jordan Matthews is they seem intent on keeping him in the slot only uh, so I mean y- you almost have to keep him I just I just look at the roster now and what they have or what they don't have and, and I think his value here is just worth it I think you know Jeremy Macklin is not only a good player but I think you know, he's a guy the team likes he likes being here I just see it getting done I really don't see how he's not going to be back no, I mean, I agree. I, I think that it's just a matter of time. And, you know, to Brandon's point, what's the point in rushing? You have all this time. If you're Macklin, why why rush into it? I mean, you know, you're not going to get an injury unless you get an injury walking down the street. You really have nothing to lose by waiting. Um, also, with the Eagles, they have other fish to fry. They're scouting. They're doing other things. They're still making coaching, hi- uh, you know, front office and coaching hires, um, you know, throughout the last couple of weeks. I mean, Chip's a busy guy, you know? So uh, to me, I think that Macklin gets done. Because like Brandon said, if Macklin went down last year, there's no way this team even sniffs the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'll come back to you again, Mike, because, um, you know, there's there's a ton of a big buzz name free agents that we've been talking about over and over. Is there really anybody that is out there right now, obviously depending on what happens if, you know, they get tagged or not, who's, is there anybody that the, you think the Eagles must have during this period? Devin McCourty. Uh, yeah, that's your guy. No. Yeah, Devin McCourty. <laughs> Devin McCourty, completely. Devin McCourty, Devin McCourty, Devin McCourty. I've been a huge fan of his since he was at Rutgers, and um, I actually thought he was going to convert to safety, and he got drafted as a corner, and then he went to safety. I just think he and 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 Malcolm Jenkins do exact would be a pair that is exactly what Billy Davis wants. He wants his safeties to be able to cover first and play man, and and Devin McCourty might be one of the better man safeties and. Uh, main coverage safeties in the league. So, I mean, he's probably going to get franchised. I have to hope that Revis um, costs a ton of money and they can't afford to franchise him. But, uh, yeah, he'd be my guy, I I would say. I mean, and my secondary guy, if I had to choose one, he's not a big-name guy, but would be Kareem Jackson. It's never going to happen because he's under six foot. But, you know, a man can dream. (laughs) Well, I don't know. And, uh, Brandon, I'll ask this. Look, I I know Antonio Cromartie is old. And he's not, you know, maybe he's probably he's lost a step or two. Um, are you think people are, aren't talking about him enough, even if it's on a one or two year deal, just to find some form of gap if you got if you can't get uh, Maxwell or McCordy, something like that? No, I actually like that name. That name's kind of been in my mind too. I think that's a guy that kind of fits with the Eagles, like in cornerbacks in terms of size. You know, he's that kind of size. I, th- I think Cromartie can still get it done. Obviously, he uh, took advantage of those Nick Foles back foot throws when the Eagles played the Cardinals this year. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you know he fits from a, a quote unquote culture standpoint. I don't know like him personally enough to really know from that standpoint. But uh, 
as far as guys that the Eagles must sign, I really don't have anyone in mind in terms of preference, but I think, you know, Byron Maxwell is going to be a huge target of theirs. Just, you know, he's long, he's tall. That's what they like in their quarterbacks. Uh, I don't think Seattle is going to be able to keep him. You know, they have to resign Russell Wilson. They have to resign uh, Wagner So and, and others. So, you know, I think he's the guy. I think, you know, it, it's obvious everyone, uh, Eagles fans obviously have Maxwell on the brain. But I, I think, you know, you don't have to overthink it. I think he's the guy that it makes a lot of sense. And another guy that makes a lot of sense uh, for the Eagles, uh, especially if there's going to be, you know, we talk a lot about, is there going to be a running back that could, uh, you know, be a replacement for Shady or somebody that's a little younger than Darren Sproles? Uh, so we wanted to ask uh, Minnesota running back David Cobb. And he joins us now on the Duncan Philly Hotline. David, how are you today? I'm doing good. Just finished up with a workout, matter of fact. Oh, that's awesome, man. I'm sure you're gearing up for the combine. Uh, where are you training at? Uh, training down here in L.A., Excelsior, L.A. Oh, awesome. All right. So, you know, you're from Texas. What made you uh, – Commit to Minnesota a couple of years back. Uh, it is just um, how things kind of worked out for me. You know, uh, going through the recruiting process. You know, had a little other interest in Stanford, and uh, eventually got back. And uh, you know, just just wanted to go somewhere where I could run the ball. And you know, Coach Kim his staff, I came on a visit, and it was you know, opened me with uh, open arms. And you know, treated my family right with respect, and it just felt at home for me. You know, you've had. You're coming off two really spectacular years. I mean, nearly 3,000 rushing yards, almost 20 right. touchdowns in just two mm-hmm. years. Can you kind of talk about, you know, your rise, uh, you know, with the Gophers and, and how you've kind of burst into the national spotlight? What's that been like for you? Oh, uh, really, it's been a blessing just to stay healthy. And, you know, I had an opportunity to come in and you know, be an immediate success. You know, you, when you come in, you, you wait for a passion and you wait for the opportunity to play when you finally get it, this was a blessing to have that opportunity and then take the most advantage of it. And our uh, coaches, I mean, they supported me the whole time being there. Uh, you know, just being in my corner and you know, giving me those extra workouts and, you know, the playbook, you know, spending the extra time with me. So, I mean, I have some good people in my corner and some good people behind me supporting me. It's just been a, a great blast these past few years. You know, Minnesota's had some really good running backs. They had Marion Barber, they had Lawrence Maroney, but you were able to set the single season record for uh, for rushing attempts and rushing yards as a senior. What did that mean to you? I mean, it means a lot. You know, you know, sit down and talk to Marion Barber and Lawrence Maroney. You have those guys in the corner and they're checking and they're rooting for you. You know, to have that record, that single season record, and you know, knowing a different back that's going to be like Doug Thompson and all those other guys. And, you know, it, it just hats off to the hard work and the people that supported you and, you know, just – being ambitious and staying, you know, focused on the goal at hand. You know, you're one of two probably uh, major draft picks for the Gophers this year, you and Max Williams, who we interviewed right. uh, a couple right. of weeks ago. Um, what, what's it been like? Have you guys been able to lean on each other during this draft process? Uh, Max. I mean, uh, but uh, he definitely has the tools necessary for the position. But uh, as far as talking to each other, we text each other from time to time. We text me good luck and, and things like that. But, you know, it's always been your dream to play in the NFL, but right now, man, you, you don't really worry worry too much about it because there's so many guys across the country that's putting in the same work that you're doing every day. So you just want to stay focused and enjoy your time. You know, you really stood out at the Senior Bowl. You and Amir Abdullah really teamed up to really help your team, you know, win that game. 
Uh, you had some a right. great week of practices. What was that like for right. you going to an all-star game where you're competing against other players from other teams? And, you know, you're not used to the environment, but, you know, you really shine. Yeah. I mean, it, it was great to get an opportunity to come down there and mobile and, and compete with those different backs that you hear about and you see on TV. And, you know, as a competitor, you know, you want to stand out as one of those best backs, too. So you come down there and, you know, you have your walk and not time for really smiles, but, yeah, you come down there and you compete, and it was just it was a great experience for me to compete against those guys. And you know, I put my name ahead of you know maybe one of the best backs out there. So it was definitely a great opportunity for me. Well, by and large, uh, scouts and and draft Knicks all believe this is a fantastic running back class. What do you what skills do you have that kind of sets you apart from everybody else? Like my pro comparison for you is is Doug Martin. How do you think you, you know right. you pack up? You're, you're a little you know you're five eleven, but you pack a punch. What, what do you think is, right. is your best quality that makes you stand out from the rest? I think the, the biggest thing in there is I'm going to do it all, do it all back, you know, to run between the tackles if I have to and get outside if I have to. And, you know, just pass protection and being available in that pass game, you know, just running off, being able to catch the ball and kind of be a, a dual threat back and not just, you know, just run the ball, but just being able to stay in the game first, second, and third down and contribute to the team is what I think I best bring to the table. Um, you know, you got to probably speak to a bunch of teams and, and scouts uh, at at the Senior Bowl. What was that like to go from you know watching all these coaches that you watch on the sidelines on Sunday to talking to them, you know, at an All Star game? It was amazing, man! Amazing. I can't tell you enough how, how fun it was, and you know, to run around and, and jog back and see Mike coming on the sideline. It was it was just amazing. It was just definitely a blessing, and you know, I, I definitely appreciate just being there and again just competing, but. At the same time, and when you look up, it's, it's everything I dreamed about, everything I dreamed for, you know, growing up, everything I ever wanted. So I'm just, you know, living my life right now and, you know, willing to learn to do anything I can, you know, to be seen. We'll get you out on this one, but, you know, you're used to a read option. You're used to having a mobile quarterback. What do you think you could do? Uh, how do you think you would fit in a Chip Kelly offense with the read option and the ability to play in wide open space? Oh, definitely. And an offense like that, you know, they utilize multiple players and push your players in the best position to make a play. And, you know, I've had some experience with a normal quarterback or under center quarterback. So I think uh, any offense that I go to, I can I try my best to fit in. But uh, definitely being a typical offense, I think guys especially would enjoy being in that and having that opportunity to make plays in space. All right, David Cobb running back from Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. David Cobb with uh, the running back from uh, Minnesota. Uh, so thankful for his time. Now, I, I know we don't want to hammer out Mariota scenarios and all that other stuff, but I, I just got to bring it up again because I, we we think and I think and I think and I, I honestly keep thinking about all this, and it's really not a Foles versus anybody. It's just, it's just the – don't you guys think that it's a way bigger gamble to do a wait-and-see play and draft things around Foles. And, yes, obviously it would be fine if I'm, you know, the, the Eagles get a, go on a, you know, an offensive draft, uh, you know, kind of kind of all out. They draft wide receivers or running backs. They fix their defense and all that stuff. But you're still left with that big question at cornerback. And I really just don't see, I think it's more of a gamble to bet on Foles and have that work out and then end up paying him because then, if it doesn't work, what are you left with, Mike? And I, like, I, I just don't see the point in waiting if you have to do that possibly next year anyway. Why not go get your guy right now, Mike? You know, we're we're talking about two gambles, right? One is a gamble that we know about. Either 
Foles sucks or he doesn't, and you're in purgatory. Um, and then you have Mariota. It's just a matter of price with him. Like, if you told me we just have to trade 20, the second-round pick, a third-round pick, and maybe Foles, then I'd say, yeah, that's worth the gamble. But if you're gambling several, several first-round picks then maybe you need to reconsider because if you look at what's happened in Washington, and I'm not trying to compare them, Robert Griffin and Marietta from a playing standpoint, but what does, what does Washington have around, uh, you know, RG three to make him successful? That's what I'm trying to say. Like they lucked out on Alfred Morris. Uh, Garcon disappeared last year. Yeah. Deshaun was good last year, but, what did that lead to? I mean, you've got to, they don't have a tight end because Jordan Reeves, oh, excuse me, injured all the time. It's just, that's a concern of mine. If you have the quarterback and you let him take beatings, David Carr style, because he doesn't have guys around him or you can't replace Harriman's, you can't replace Evan Mathis, Jason Peters is eventually going to retire. Then what was the point of all of that? So that that's my point, uh, you know, and again, I think every year that you're not winning with Chip Kelly, you're wasting a year there, so. That's that. That's just my take. Sure, Brandon. You have what's what's your kind of? I know we have it all the time, but I I just don't see. I don't see how you can do that in one draft anyway. I don't know how you can find a replacement for Peters, for Harriman's, for all this other stuff in one draft. So you know, again, I I I respect Mike's opinion that it comes down to price and all that stuff, but I don't know what. uh, How do you come out on this? Do you think it's more of a gamble? to wait and see or to, you know, do the deal. I think, uh, I think that's a good point that, that you brought up on Twitter about Foles. I think, you know, a lot of people are just like stick with Foles and okay. And you could do that. And that's, that might be their only option, but you do that and he doesn't pan out. Like you said, you're going into Chip Kelly's fourth year without an answer at quarterback. And, and the thing is, you can't just be like, oh, we'll just get a quarterback in 2015 because if or 2016 rather, sorry. And if you do that, then uh, you know there's no guarantee you're in good position to draft one. You know, there's no guarantee that uh, good players come out again. You know, p- people could return to school. I mean, you just you don't know. Like you, you can't. That's not a plan. Like like hope is not a strategy. Like you can't just be like, well, I hope we can solve the quarterback position. Uh, if Foles doesn't work out. So it's just really hard. I just don't see how you can put, and I've said this earlier, I think in, in some of the shows we've done, I don't see how you can put all your eggs in one basket with Foles. Cause if he doesn't work out, what do you do? Well, <laughs> like, and, what? And, and I'm, there's there's just I'm, nothing. I'm not saying you would just stick with Foles. I'm just saying maybe you draft a kid like uh, Hunley or you draft a kid like Grayson. I'm not, I'm not saying you don't have an but egg. Does that do anything? That's, that's what I wonder. Does that even like, is that just another Matt Barkley on the roster, and then you're in 2015, you just have a guy who's a non-answer, but he's here, and then you're just like, you know, you're just but, spinning your tires. But here's the thing, though. While while Mariota is a, is a better prospect right now, Luck was, I mean, RG3 was a better prospect technically than, than uh, Russell Wilson. Look how that turned out. So, I mean, I feel like, yeah, you have to be cynical about draft value and all that other stuff, but like... I don't want people to think Mariota is the be-all, end-all. I've told you this off the, uh, you know, off air all the time. Sure. He, I think he's Ryan Tannehill, which is fine. Ryan Tannehill's a good player, but I don't. Think he's good enough to trade up all these. I mean, like if you're going to trade more than two first-round picks, and I'd be cool if you're trading two first-round picks. I have no problem with that. I want to be very clear. 
it's just all uh, you can't put yourself in a hole where the guy has nobody around him or if he sucks what you doesn't he have around that's what i'm saying what doesn't he have around him right now there, there seems to be this stupid misconception yeah i think it's stupid that <laughs> has has tons of weapons well if they have tons of weapons then why why are these guys so hard to connect with yes the quarterback sucks we get it all right awesome i'm gonna have one of my rants but like they barely use Ertz. <clears throat> they finally decided to use him in the last two games of the season. Outside of Macklin, I don't see a big play threat at wide receiver. We don't know what uh, Huff but or... Why, hold on. Why can't you have both things is what I'm asking, Mike. I think there's... Uh, don't you think there's a way to combine players and picks to go get this guy and still have enough draft picks to build up around him? That's what I'm saying. It's what you do after. It's not necessarily what happens in the draft. I'm, I'm not arguing against that. I am 100% on that. If that does happen and we want to live in Looney Tune Madden land and Tampa Bay is stupid enough to acquire uh, a purse that has t- two players that we really don't want and they're premium players, but we don't really need them and a couple of picks, awesome. Let's get Mariota. But to say that, you know, it's worth trading three first round picks and two second round picks to me is a draft day story. draft day movie style stupid move in my opinion (laughs) okay man i just you're you're gonna go so okay let's just say they don't do it they move on so what do you and Foles fails in 2015 so what do you do now then what's your plan now john here's here's the thing that nobody ever does give me give me a perspective you're tampa give me an offer that you'd feel comfortable with Uh, from if i'm the eagles and i'm trading with tampa no you're tampa you're tampa give me an offer that's real. Uh, two first rounders, pff, Foles and Lane Johnson. You're getting fired next year. <laughs> okay. Uh, what else do you need on top of that? How dare and, you? And- how dare you suggest that the great Jason Light could get fired? <laughs> oh my God, Jason Light, Ryan Grigson. Oh, Holy oh my! Cow. What and, I'm saying is, oh so but that's what I'm saying. Like some of these trades that like people are coming up with, and I'm not trying to say the trades are stupid. I'm just saying, like if you're if you're Tampa Bay, and we talked to Greg Linton about this, about like how he taking risks on players. You know, if you make a certain move, you're probably going to get fired. You know, we talked about this last week with him. You know, you've got to make a calculated risk. You've got to take a calculated risk. Like if if anybody complains about. You know, Atlanta trading up to get Julio Jones, they're idiots because yeah. would you rather have Phil Taylor right now or Julio Jones? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like I'm rambling, but could be the sickness. But um, I just I think- don't think it's about Chip getting I, I agree with you, Mike. It's Mariota isn't the end all be all like that's I don't think that's. I don't what even it care if it's so Winston. Much. I, I should I should exactly. say that at the beginning. It's, I right, I, it's right. That's the my- end all be all is Chip getting his quarterback, like the quarterback that he picks not he inherits not saying that if Nick Foles plays well enough obviously he can move himself into the position where Chip doesn't really need to pick his quarterback but if he doesn't like that's a huge problem that's the whole issue people don't want to see Chip fail well maybe he is but like hold on to your butts (laughs) that's the thing like is is a guy that chips like I don't know where Hunley's gonna go and none of us do I've seen everywhere from first to third to third to day three so I don't know but if you know if that's a guy who chip picks high then fine maybe you know and he fails whatever but I don't know the Hunley thing is weird but the whole (laughs) issue is that you know you just 
you don't want to see Chip fail without his guy. And I think that's the biggest fear with Nick Foles. And I don't know. Do you guys have any doubt that they're not interested in trading up with one of these teams? I mean, there's I know there's smoke when there's there's always draft time, but now you've had two different stories came from the same guy at ESPN who covers the box of like, oh yeah, Lovey prefers uh, <laughs> Lovey prefers Winston, and then their GM comes out literally today and says, ah, I think I'd rather go with Mariota at that point. You know, there's all this like back and forth weirdness, but I in my hardest of hearts, I think yes, the Eagles are interested in doing something and trading up, and I don't think Tampa Bay wants to pick. I really don't. I think there's a, a genuine chance that they would like to move out of there. Um, but I don't know. what. I, I, again, I don't know at what price. I don't know at what cost. I would like to see the Eagles do it, obviously. But I, I mean, I, I think that they want to pick. And honestly, I don't think it matters if they want to pick. It's like it's like um, Brandon said. What if what if the Eagles actually like Winston? What if this is all like a Buffalo Bills thing where they're – hinting they want Nassib and they get EJ Manuel. You know what I mean? Like, that could be a thing. So, it could be. Well, and, you know, we've also seen reports that the Titans don't want to pick a quarterback, you know? I mean, so it could be that they want to trade back. The problem with 20, and we've talked about this a million times, is it's the dead zone. So if you're trading back to there, you're going to want to get value for either years or immediate impact. And, you know, the Titans, to me, don't seem like a team that's going to win now. You know what I mean? I mean, Tampa Bay has some nice pieces, but, you know, okay, cool. <laughs> but they just – they cut McCown, I mean, and they hold all the cards in the draft. I mean, they can either – they know they can take a quarterback or they cannot take a quarterback. I mean, I don't know why you cut McCown if you're going to trade the pick. I mean, Mike unless Glennon. you're – Mike Glennon, future, uh, you know, franchise quarterback, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Or, or there was an interesting report that came out this week. I don't know how much I believe it, but – uh, it was from Jason Cole, Bleacher Report insider guy who used to be Yahoo. But he said that, you know, there's teams at the top of the draft. I'm thinking he's hinting possibly at the Bucks here or maybe the Titans that, you know, could be interested in Sam Bradford if the Rams release him. Now, I don't know if the Rams are going to release Bradford because they're apparently they're trying to restructure his contract. But, you know, imagine if someone, something like that happens, you know. Yeah, that's true. Brad, I mean, Bradford Brad, signed like Bradford. The Bucks actually. I mean, and he does. And think about the kind of quarterbacks that that Lovey has had. It's it's Kyle Orton, it's uh, Jay Cutler, it's Rex Grossman, <laughs> it's Josh McCown. Like I just don't see Mariota kind of fitting in in that mold of quarterback. And I came up with this crazy hypothetical, obviously not realistic, but Rams release Bradford, they trade for Foles because th- there was that report recently that the Rams have interest in Foles. The Bucks sign Bradford because then you give Lovey his veteran guy. The Eagles use the picks they get from St. Louis to trade up for Mariota. Boom. Man, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Did, you, did you guys hear that, that that noise? That's like John <laughs> getting uh, getting some uh, some excitement right there. But I, you know, to me that makes sense and everything. But like, if we're gonna if we're gonna speculate about stuff like that, what do you think it's gonna take to trade up to one? What, what do you guys think? Because everybody constantly is like, oh, well, they have to trade up to one. And I, I, I asked you for a potential deal. I, if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <clears throat> I'm going to, sh- you know, the, if I was the Eagles, I'd be like, sure, sure, take it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but well, what do you think Tampa realistically wants, Brandon? I'm sorry, I don't mean to take John's hat, but I, I really, I want to know. Before Brandon I answers, think, it's going to take five uh, picks. I don't know what's going to take, obviously, 20. And then from there, 
I, I don't know. Maybe here's the thing. I think you're. It's an either or. I think you're looking at a boatload of picks, like you know, like twenty, and then 2016 first, and so on. Or I think you could do players. I think you could get. I don't know which players, but I think you could package this year's first with a couple players. And you know, I don't know if it's hard. There's really no good precedent for this, so we're all just really just guessing and taking stabs in the dark. But to to answer John's earlier point, I really do think it's there's serious interest. Uh, Shio Kapadia, our great friend of the podcast here, you know, wrote a good column in this for Birds Twenty Four Seven today. Uh, you know, he thinks the interest is serious for the reason that Chip likes players. He values players that know his system. And not only that, just players he knows can do certain things he likes to do. You know, he pointed to the fact that, you know, he likes having these outside linebackers that can drop into coverage. He likes having defensive linemen that he knows can two-gap. Not players he's projecting to do this, but he knows can do it. And I think that's a huge factor with Mariota. Yeah, I think I think it's a big-time factor. Um, and we don't know if he's going to do it. But I think Chip in his mind knows, obviously knows the difference between what he's going to have going forward in fulls and, you know, what Marcus can do. So I, I you know, I, I think there's, there's huge interest there. Obviously I know this always comes out to be like, Oh, you fucking hate foals and all this other stuff. It really isn't. I don't, I don't really care either. I just, I, I think there is, you have to have, you have to have a plan. And I'm telling you, if you go the fourth round, if you go the Blake Sims route, yeah, I'll be, I'll be, kind of pumped whatever but it'll it'll <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i know i won't it's just it's just so silly like you can't i don't i look at next year's crops and it always can change on a dime of quarterbacks in 2016 you're going to be stuck in the same spot it, eight wins 10 wins whatever it is you're still going to have to eventually go get there i say you go with the guy that you know when i'm talking to chip and and just go get him but uh, one mystery that we can start to solve as well our old friend Trev jumps in now along with Matt Daring as we give you a sneak preview to the very popular podcast of Serial Season 2. For NPR, I'm Eric Glass. Um, this week on Serial, we're going to go back to the weeks leading up to April 22nd, 2010, which is, um, for those who don't know, the NFL Draft. For this season of Serial, we're going to focus on one team in particular, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, more on that later, I promise. Right now, I want to talk about eight weeks uh, before that draft uh, at the start of uh, free agency. In the early hours of free agency 2009, the Denver Broncos made a splash in signing longtime Eagle Brian Dawkins. Here's Josh McDaniels on uh, why he did that and what he saw in Brian. He's terribly respectful of his family and the organization that he comes from. And he wants to come to a place that he can win and that, that wants him as much as he wants them. And how did Brian feel about all of this? Well, his friends weren't surprised to hear him say this. Wow. This is an absolute blessing. Um, I'm, I'm a blessed man. I'm, I'm, you guys will, here in Denver, will get used to me saying that. I'm a blessed man. Here's where the story gets a little bit more complicated. Uh, fans were less happy to hear him say this. Um, um, I was not a, just a want for them. They felt more like a necessity for me to be here, and that's something that um, you know every player wants to feel from an organization. So the question we're left with, um, and uh, this is where perhaps the investigation really begins, 
What happened to a franchise icon that made him feel so unwelcome in his hometown? And what did the fans who love him so much do in his absence? How do you fill the hole a legend leaves? And what happens if you get it wrong? From WBEZ Chicago and NPR Public Radio, this is Serial. This is a prepaid telling call from a member of the Seattle Seahawks. So, for much of this uh, investigation, we were uh, lucky enough to find uh, some so-called uh, super fans, uh, people who had uh, very distinct memories of uh, the days and weeks we were talking about. Um, uh, we were able to speak with uh, Sean Young, uh, who asked that we not show his face. Uh, we, we told him this was for the radio, uh, there was nothing to worry about. Nevertheless, he sported elaborate makeup during our interview, uh, but this is his real voice. He seemed surprised by this all. But there was three things that were not supposed to happen, that we knew were going to happen for the rest of our lives. And it was going to be death, taxes, and Brian Douglas was going to be a Philadelphia Eagle. And one of them isn't going to be. But isn't the business of, uh, of an NFL team, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the business of moving forward, of, uh, of winning games. Um, so what, um, what would you have them do? Do the right thing. Get some talent into this team. Give McNabb, if he's going to be here, the help he needs. Just do it, man. Just do it. But realistically here, I mean, um, just, you know, simply saying, we're dealing with a football player here, right? Just uh, another, another guy on the field? You know what? You hate to get attached to uh, to players because you know that they, they go year to year and stuff, and you don't know if they're gonna be here to year to year. God, it sucks, man. It wasn't just a football player, man. I just hope Daigle's take a safety. It's a huge need. They gotta find that guy who can take over for Dawkins. Someone, anyone, who could be the next Dawkins. This next Dawkins phrase um, has become a constant refrain for years, uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself. What I'm trying to get across here is that it was a huge deal. And while I was researching this, one name kept coming up over and over again. And not just on the blogs, this wasn't just some fringe movement, it was everywhere. It was all over the media. And finally, with just three days left until the draft, Eagles fans turned their attention to University of Texas safety Earl Thomas. He's expected to be the first or second safety selected in the first few rounds this Thursday. Here's Dave Walls with the story. But it wasn't just the media. The fans were creating a buzz. It was growing. They were trying to make their voices heard. Earl Thomas. 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 And as with any movement from the ground and up, uh, people got invested in this. They wanted to see uh, this come out their way. And ultimately, uh, it didn't. Next week on Serial. 
with the 13th pick in the 2010 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Brandon Graham, defensive end, Michigan. Serial is produced by Trevor Strunk and Matt Daring, with help from John Barchard, fan since 09, and Dr. Pizza MD, along with uh, dozens of our uh, dearest friends. Um, I'm Ira Glass. You can find more of Serial at bleedinggreennation.com and at EGN Radio, uh, underscore between those two, on Twitter. Uh, thanks very much to all of our sponsors and to all of the Eagles fans uh, worldwide who are willing to talk to us. Um, and uh, from WBEZ uh, Radio in Chicago, this has been Serial. Well, uh, that's going to do it uh, for us, uh, BLG, Mike K. Any final thoughts? Um, I think I think we all are on the same page that they have to move it make a move the quarterback so you know while we're thinking about trading up options and all that other stuff let's also consider the rest of the field um after the combine we're going to be doing a lot of draft profiles on quarterbacks we've held off because we wanted to see what these guys ran we wanted to see what their strengths were from an athletic standpoint but we'll be doing that moving forward like Brendan and I said, Marietta is not the be-all, end-all. So let's kind of look at the rest of the field before we decide, hey, you know, Chip's going to deal. Uh, I think, you know, as we head into this offseason, I think uh, just the theme of our debate here is that mediocrity is the worst place this team could be. You know, you're looking at, like, the Sixers, you know, before. It's a different different sport, so it's not quite the same where you have to get that star. and you're st- It's a little different. It's not... Uh, direct comparison there, but I, I just really that, and again, that's the biggest fear with Nick Foles. It's not that he's going to be bad. I don't think people are as concerned he's going to be bad because if he's bad, you know, you just you just move on at some point because you're probably going to have a high draft pick or whatever. It's going to fall apart. But if he's mediocre and he's Andy Dalton and you lock into that and you're stuck, you're just going to be screwed and you're going to waste Chip Kelly's tenure on a mediocre product. And I think that's the worst thing that could happen. It's a step back, but it's a necessary step back. It's not going to be instant, and it's not going to be right away. And I need people to understand that. Marcus Mariota comes in here. It's not going to be everything's fixed. It's a half step back. I don't think it's a full step back. It's a half step back. Go get your guy. Let's do this thing. Let's have some fun, man. That's (laughs) that's all I got to say. So for BLG, for Mike K, for myself, John Barcher, we thank you so much for listening to episode number 83 right here on BelatingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.com. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.